Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions. An accidental company. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the At TSN Hockey Bobcast for, um, it's a good question. What is this for? Well, I mean, we can use this week's date, the week of September 10th, 2018. But I don't even know what episode number to call this. I guess we'd call it season three. Yeah, season three. It's the third year we're doing it, so season three. But I'm not even sure you can call this a Bobcast in the traditional sense. So I'm not quite sure how to do the labeling. And to be honest, I have been giving a little bit of thought to the Bobcast, um, and I'm going to be giving much more thought to it. What form it should take this season? Should I even continue to do it? Trying to noodle around with a lot of stuff in my mind and sort through all of that. So for now, I guess, let's call this the Liar Liar Pants on Fire edition of the Bobcast. And, and savvy Bobcast listeners will know what I'm talking about. The last Bobcast I did was June 15th, 2018, right after the Cup Final and just before the NHL Awards and the Draft. And at, at the end of that one, um, which if I look back here was season two, episode 20, I suggested, and I should point out, I, it was not a promise, it was only a suggestion, that I might follow it up four or five days later with a mini Bobcast to um, sort of handle the overflow of team-related questions um, that I didn't get to that day. Well, you know, I got to Vegas for the awards and, and I was busy with draft prep amongst other things. The other things would be having dinner at Beauty in Essex in the Cosmopolitan. And by the way, if you ever happen to be in Las Vegas and you happen to be in the Cosmopolitan Hotel, by all means, I'm urging you to go to Beauty in Essex. That's the restaurant, Beauty and Essex. Um, it's one of the best restaurants I've ever been to, bar none. And so, um, as I said, between Draft Prep and Beauty in Essex, the old mini Bobcast kind of fell through the cracks in Vegas. Sorry, not so sorry. The the real apology, though, is that um, Season 2, Episode 21, which was supposed to be the final Bobcast of the 2017-2018 season, well, it, uh, it, it never got done. And, and quite frankly, I just ran out of time. That week leading up to free agency, I was running around like my hair was on fire. Everything also seemed to be so fluid in the days leading up to free agency that I really feared whatever I laid down on tape a few days before free agent frenzy would be dated so quickly. And I sure as hell wasn't going to come back after July 1 when I went on vacation and do a Bobcast. Anyways, one thing led to another. Finally, I had to say, F it, can't get it done. Sorry, actually sorry on that one. So um, all of our Bobcast listeners will be getting an absolutely full refund for me dropping the ball on episode 21 last late June. Uh, of course, since the Bobcast doesn't cost you anything at all, you're getting nothing unless maybe you count these uh, bonus Bobcasts I'm doing this week. And, and let's explain what the hell these are. Um, as I've sketched it out here, there are going to be seven of them, one each for uh, the, the, the seven Canadian teams. And, and I guess that these are more or less previews 
of what the opening day roster should look like for those seven Canadian teams. And I guess I want them to effectively replace the general manager interviews that I've done in the past number of years. Now, um, people will remember, I've gone started the, the season every year for the last three, four, five years, whatever it is, um, going to Penticton in British Columbia for the Rookie Showcase Tournament. It was great. The Vancouver Canucks were there. The Jets were there. Uh, the Oilers, the Flames. So I had all four Western Canadian general managers all in one location. Uh, and I could zip in for like two days and, and bang out four in-depth sit-down interviews with the, the GMs. Well, this year the, the Canucks and Jets were there, but the Oilers and Flames weren't. They stayed in Alberta to do uh, sort of informal rookie games in their own area. And so... I just scrapped the whole Penticton trip. If I couldn't get all four GMs in one place, it, it became a little too difficult to do. Um, in the past, it was easy peasy. This year, not so much. So I didn't go to Penticton. And this year, instead, I, I spent the weekend uh, that I normally would have been in Penticton and then coming back to, to rookie tournaments in Toronto or Montreal. Um, I talked to the general managers uh, of the Western Canadian teams over the phone and as well as the coaches, and, and just basically tried to hammer down and, and get a feel for what their uh, their teams are going to look like. Now, you know, I, I view these as replacements for the general manager interviews, and some fans are going to get all up in my grill about the fact that I did interview Toronto Maple Leaf general manager Kyle Dubas last week, and uh, the, everybody's going to start with the whole, oh, you like the Toronto Sports Network, and we, we get all the time anyways, which is fine. But um, the, the two reasons I did the Dubas interview as a one-off, uh, as opposed to doing all the other guys, is that, number one, he's the new kid on the block, never interviewed Dubas, and uh, all the other general managers had been interviewed multiple times before. And number two, um, I could get in my car and drive downtown to get the interview with Dubas, and that's why it ended up being a really easy one-off for me. Um, but if you're a fan of the Canadian team um, outside of the Leafs, and I, and I will get to the Leafs eventually, um, then you've come to the right place for what I think is a really detailed look at your club as training camps get set to open this week. So whatever you want to call these, I do hope you enjoy them. And sometime over the next couple of weeks, I am going to take a little more time to think about the Bobcast, the form it was in last year, the form it should be in this year. Um, should I do it every week? Can I do it every week? Should I do it just stick to every other week? Should I interview people, have guests? I don't know. I, a lot of things to think about and uh, and whether it's even worth doing because, as I said, um, I just started doing the Bobcast out of the goodness of my heart. And so um, if it makes sense, I'll do it. And if it doesn't, I won't. But anyways, I'll think about all that. In the meantime, here's a preview of the Ottawa Senators. Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I don't know how many times they could say man, oh, man, but uh, emphasis. Where where do we even begin with the Ottawa Senators this season? Well, whatever we say, we better say it damn fast because this projection of what the Senators might look like on opening night could get dated really quickly if, as somewhat expected but by no means guaranteed, Eric Carlson gets traded before opening night. So, so let's get right after it. And let's also acknowledge that with or without an EK65 trade, the Sens have some major holes in their lineup. Um, both Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne are in contract years, on the verge of unrestricted free agency. And while, I mean, in, in every way speaking, this could be a long, difficult one for the Senators. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, the Sens have some really good kids coming. They do have some blue-chip talent, 
on the way. But in the here and now, this season, I think it could get ugly for head coach Guy Boucher and Pierre Dorian. So let's all let's let's try to drill down here on on how these players could line up. Obviously, Stone and Duchesne are the Sens' two best players up front. I do not expect them, however, to play together. And and really, the the scarcity of high end NHL forward talent will likely necessitate splitting them up um, because Stone is such a good hockey player, and Duchesne. Um, as he started to show over the course of last season, took a while for him to get going. Um, but he can be a good hockey player too. So rather than load them up and just have one line and be a really deficient team in your second, third, and fourth lines, I think the theory in Ottawa is going to be hopefully Stone can almost carry a f- one line and Duchesne can carry uh, another line. Um, you know, Give them at least two credible threats, one on each of the first two lines to score goals. So I think what you're going to see is Duchesne is likely to start between honest worker B. Ryan Dzingle and veteran Bobby Ryan, who we should point out um, hasn't had more than 13 goals or 33 points in either of the last two seasons. Uh, It's not what one would immediately think of when describing a team, an NHL team's first line. Um, So, I don't know, maybe Mark Stone's line should be called the number one line. I don't know if it really matters. Uh, and it most certainly would be if Duchesne were the center and the Senators had another viable high-end pivot, but they don't. So, you know, who, who could play alongside Stone? The, this is the major hole. Um, and, and this is where they're going to run into problems because they're going to ask third-line two-way center J.G. Pajot to do his best to step up and play with Stone. Um, and and in, in a short-term situation, there are times when Pajot gets his game going, he, he can do that. But over the long haul, playing against the other team's best centers uh, and trying to generate offense, um, that that's a that's a tough ask of Pajot, even if he's playing with Stone. Um, I would not be surprised to see the Sens at least give third overall pick in in the most recent draft, Brady Kachuk, an opportunity to play on the left side with Pajot and Stone. They don't want to rush the kid, but uh, hey, listen, and, and there's there's always that risk of of force-feeding a 19-year-old in that role, you know, the old story, too much too soon. And I, and I do believe the Sens are cognizant of that. They are wary of that. But I also think that Brady Kachuk is a precocious talent, and and he's got a certain something-something, and, and they'll give him every chance in training camp to succeed and play with some good players and see if they can take advantage of of his great tools. Uh, the Sens' lack of another higher-end center also creates a ripple effect on the third line because if you had somebody besides Duchesne to play as your top two centers, then Pajot would slot in his third-line center, and he's great there. Um, but uh, that's, in the short term anyways, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, And the other thing is if Pajot was playing third-line center, that would allow you to put promising youngster Colin White on the wing to start his full-time NHL career instead of at center and ease his transition to to full-time duty. Um, But with Pajot playing that top two-line role, I think the likelihood is that White is more likely to be given a shot to play in the middle on the third line. Um, I I suppose Zach Smith could do that. He's done it in the past. Um, But Smith could end up being one of the wingers on that third line. Michael Bodker uh, is another guy who could play in that third-line role. 
Um, I think we can safely say that the fourth line wingers will almost certainly be Tommy Pyatt and, and Magnus Piarvi. Um, everybody knows that head coach Guy Boucher loves what Pyatt brings to the table as a fourth line uh, forward. And, and PRV is, I think, locked in in that uh, bottom part of the lineup. Um, and again, if, if that so far non-existent top two line center were suddenly to materialize, you could put Pajot on the third line at center. You could move Zach Smith onto the fourth line and everybody's slotting would be a lot more appropriate. But when you start with a big hole in one of your top two line center positions, as I said, that ripple effect all up and down the lineup is really difficult. Now, unless Carlson, uh, maybe the Carlson trade will net the sense of quality center. Um, but I, I think absent of that, what you're going to see is, is uh, you know, journeyman pro Paul Carey, prospect Philip Chalapic, and maybe something of a, an outside chance for first-year pro Logan Brown. Um, Carey, Chalapic, and Brown are likely to be the guys maybe contending for a fourth-line center spot. Uh, Max McCormick should be one of the thirteenth for one of the thirteen forwards, but more likely just the thirteenth forward in a in a depth role. I don't think there's any expectation here that Marion Gabrick is going to be a big factor for the Senators. He's coming off off season back surgery, and uh, we'll see where his uh, his medical clearance is at. But uh, I don't think anybody in Ottawa is banking on him um, being a significant player for the Senators. Uh, in the early going. It, uh, when you look all up and down the lineup of the Sens up front, it's not exactly a murderer's row collection of offensive talent. You know, that said, there are some promising youngsters um, who could challenge and win spots and, and knock some of these veteran journeymen and veteran pluggers uh, out of the lineup. Um, and they would certainly create a lot more energy and enthusiasm. Uh, the one guy who could do that is Alex Formanton. He's got elite level speed. And if you remember, he was a big surprise, late bloomer, to make the Sens roster out of camp last fall. But the correct call was made, and they returned him to junior for more development, and develop he did. Now, I think it still remains to be seen if he's fully ready to play in the National Hockey League or whether he's better served uh, to get one more year with the London Knights. But one gets the feeling that, that Formington's speed, his ability to disrupt on the forecheck, his ability to kill penalties... I think that could get him a real long look this time around and that maybe this guy, don't sleep on him, maybe being in the Sens top nine on a more regular basis, at least for a while. Now, in spite of the sense that Ottawa is is something of one gigantic tire fire this season, um, I don't think there's any question that general manager Pierre Dorian wants to try to do right by the kids on his roster, including Formington, and he doesn't want to force feed anyone who's not ready. But given the, the reality of the situation and the shortage of talent, um, they have no choice in Ottawa but to give the kids a long look and see if they are ready. And, uh, and that's why one of the more talented goal scorers in the Sens organization isn't guaranteed a spot, but will certainly get an opportunity to show if he's capable of nailing one down. And that talking about Drake Batherson, and uh, if you remember the World Junior Championship last year for Team Canada, he was outstanding. His uh, major junior career is over, unless he were to go back for an overage year. Um, but he's now eligible to go to the American Hockey League. He's got size, he's got smarts, he's got skill to make an impact in pro. And and all that remains for me to see is, is whether the more prudent approach is to start him in Belleville of the American Hockey League, or does he play well enough in training camp to play his way into the conversation uh, of a spot to start the regular season? And I think that's 
what we're about to find out. I think the bottom line for Ottawa is that while while these kids, Colin White, uh, Brady Kachuk, Alex Formant, and Drake Batherson, while they could make things interesting, this team right now really only has two top six talents in its top six, and that's Duchesne and Stone, and and that's a that's a tough tough way to go into the season. I mean, man, that's that's really lean, especially when you're asking the Senators' top six to go up against division rivals like the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think a lot of the same problems exist on the blue line. Now, with Eric Carlson in the lineup, I was stressing with him in the lineup, the Sens are still missing at least one top four defenseman. Now, if they trade Carlson, and that is certainly the expectation, um, it's far from guaranteed that they're going to be getting back an NHL-ready top four defender. So, you know, with Carlson, they're short one top four defenseman. Without him, they're short two. And, and it, gets, it gets worse. Um, because as it is, Carlson's projected partner is Thomas Shabbat, and he's a blue chipper. I, I think this guy's going to be a fantastic defenseman in the National Hockey League. But it's really tough for a kid to come in when he's not properly insulated. And, and, and the Ottawa Senators may not have enough depth on their blue line, especially in the absence of Carlson. Um, if he's traded, to, to insulate Shabbat. Cody Cece is really the only other top four blue liner that the Sens have got, and, and he's going to be stressed to the max too. Now, if Carlson is traded, I think what you would see is Cece would likely be pressed into a top-pairing role with Shabbat. Um, now, if Carlson starts the season in Ottawa, then Cece will almost certainly be paired uh, on the second pair with a much younger, much more inexperienced partner, someone like Ben Harper or Christian Willanen. Um, I know head coach Guy Boucher has really liked what he's seen from a very small sample size in the 23-year-old rookie Willanen. Yeah, I think he what, played 10 games last season. And, and Big Harper has shown some promise as a, as a big defender. But, you know, top four roles for one of these guys right out of the gate? Again, asking a lot. Uh, Mark Borowiecki, um, who did the great interview with, uh, with Eugene Melnick, that's another story for another day, um, and Chris Weidman, have on multiple occasions in the past, that's basically been the Sens' third D pair. And I think they're likely going to rep- reprise that this year. But if, if one of those kids, like Willannon or Harper, can't get the job done on the second pair with CeCe, then it might become necessary to move Borowiecki or Weidman up up uh, to the second pair, and that's that's far from an ideal situation. Uh, it really does underscore how short the Sens are of legit top four defensemen, especially if Carlson is moved and, and they don't get another top four defenseman in return. Um, one player the Sens really like for the future is second-year pro Christian Yaros. Um, got some promise, big guy, um, but he was injured a fair bit last year. Not likely ready for full-time duty right out of the gate, um, but he could be a bit of a depth consideration. So once again, like the forwards, I think we can say this about their D. It's a lean, it's not mean, it's lean, lean, lean. And and that is going to put an enormous amount of pressure on both goaltenders, Craig Anderson and Mike Condon. Um, Ottawa's goaltending has to be way better than it was last season. And I don't want to throw Anderson and Condon entirely under the bus because there were so many things that have gone wrong um, in Ottawa. But uh, 
it's going to be difficult for Anderson to have his bounce back here, Condon for that matter too, if they're constantly under siege because the lineup in front of them has so many um, gaping holes. Add it all up, I don't think it's a very pretty picture in Ottawa. I think Guy Boucher's biggest challenge as head coach is going to be trying to maintain some semblance of passable positive morale, but that's going to be so hard to do in, in what we believe seems like a really toxic environment. Um, you know, season ticket sales are said to be abysmal. The fan unrest with owner Eugene Melnick is visceral and downright nasty. And, and even beyond the on-ice issues they've got, there have been so many off-ice distractions. The, the Carlson-Hoffman off-ice thing that, that sprung up in the, the, the spring. Um, you know, so many, so many things. Um, and it, and it's, just, it's really amazing. It really is to think that this is the same franchise that in May of 2017 was one overtime goal away from going to the Stanley Cup final. Think about that one for a moment. And now it just feels like the entire thing has come apart at the seams. And, and I really do, seems rather. And I, and I do believe that, that um, Pierre Dorian and Guy Boucher and, and their various staffs are doing whatever they can to try and keep this thing together. Um, but they're just may, maybe way, way, way too much to overcome, especially post-Carlson trade, depending on what the return is. And, and if the return is only fair to middling or maybe even below average and doesn't have a lot of sizzle, man, oh man, that's going to be even more deflating for an organization that uh, the air has already come out of it. Um, in any case, uh, if that trade gets made sooner rather than later, um, well, you know what? We may have to uh, drastically revise the opening light, opening night lineup projection um, because maybe there will be a lot of bodies coming in. Uh, either way, uh, I think everybody knows the score in Ottawa this year. It's going to be a long, hard year in the nation's capital. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's At TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.